What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. It has been a crazy week of fight news and coming off the heels of UFC 288. I want to talk on today's show about the call-out by Frivola aimed at Patty the Batty and whether or not Patty accepted it. Plus, Colby Covington has made quite the call-out himself, and I'm also hearing rumors that we're close to booking Jamal Hill and Yuri Prohaska. Lots to get into on today's show, everybody. Let's begin here. Aljo and Cejudo. I haven't moved on. I'm not ready to move on. There's a lot that happened there. I mean, let's start with this. Nobody in MMA, and this is a literal statement by me, nobody that I'm aware of that I can think of off the top of my head at least, has thrown rounds away. That's a thing. That's a thing in wrestling. You will find places to eat up time. Maybe you're trying to catch your breath. Maybe it's strategy. Maybe you've got all the points that you need. You just got to run the clock out. But there are places where you're not trying to beat the guy. For right now, whether it's for 30 seconds or or, or for an entire round, or you're, you're trying to stall the better part of a match away. I can't think of a time in MMA where that's happened. As a matter of fact, as a wrestler, it's one of the major distinctions in the sport of wrestling and not of fighting. Wrestling is so difficult. Six minutes high school, seven minutes college, by example. But a guy is just trying to score points on you. No, no matter how fatigued you get, as bad as it's going to get, is the guy is going to try to score points on you. In MMA, he's trying to damage you. Say it's a 15-minute fight and you've won 14 minutes. You can't just sail in that last minute. He's trying to damage you. And I only bring that up because Aljo gave away the fifth round. It's a really big deal. There was a judge that had given Aljo the fifth round. I mean, you're always in a difficult spot when the athlete doesn't agree with you. I'm going to leave it at that. I don't want to give this judge a hard time. But Aljo does not agree with the judge. Aljo did not think he won the fifth round. As a matter of fact, he didn't try to win the fifth round. And if I back up to his last fight with Peter Yon, he gave away two rounds. So two fights ago, Aljo spotted arguably the greatest striker in the history of the sport. I may not win that argument, but Peter Yawn is a top five striker in the history of MMA. Like that or not, Henry Cejudo is the top grappler active today. The UFC does not have another Olympic champion. Bellator doesn't have an Olympic champion. PFL does in the form of Kayla Harrison. He's spotting, I'm talking about Aljo, he's, give, he's giving them rounds. That's how good he is. That's how sure he is when he's got something won. I didn't know when that fight was over who was going to get their hand raised. I was on a few text threads and I was even doing a little video for you guys, kind of trying to be live in the moment. But I didn't know who won. The best indicator you'll ever get of who's going to win a fight before it happens or who won the fight when it's done, the best indicator you'll ever get is the athletes themselves. Now, you got to study them. you got to look really closely. They've got to tell, like, right? You're always going to get these analysts like me that come on TV and they want to talk about the guy's jab. They want to talk about he's a southpaw or he's orthodox. The real thing is they're poker players like anybody else, and a guy that thinks he's going to win has certain tells, and a guy that doesn't believe he's going to win that night has certain tells. So it was very interesting when the fight ended. So Huda was not sure who won. He knew it was going to be close. Aljo believed that he had won. I'm just sharing this for you. It was very interesting. Before Buffer got in there, 
Aljo truly believed he was about to get his hand raised, and Henry wasn't quite sure. It was really interesting for me. Okay, great. Let's get through all of that. Uh, let's just get to the moment. Aljo gets his hand raised, split decision. Henry slides over to the corner with a couple of his teammates, and he takes his gloves off. Now, when Henry took his gloves off, he had physically given the sign that I'm going to retire, but mentally had decided he was going to retire. And if he would have spoke those words into the microphone, things would have changed. Some people call it the universe. Some people call it the laws of attraction. But there, there is something to that phenomenon that's very real when you say something out loud. If Henry would have said the words, I'm retired, he, he would have been. He wouldn't have come back. We wouldn't even talk about it. We'd all get it neat. That'd be that. But he didn't say the words. And I'm just making sure that you understand what you're looking at. Henry Cejudo had planned to retire when he took the gloves off. He changed his mind. If they would have got to him sooner, Henry would be retired. And we'd be telling what a great career he had, and we'd be starting to talk about when he was going to go in the Hall of Fame. Because of the melee, because of the distractions, because of elongating what happened prior to Rogan getting the microphone to Cejudo, he changed his mind. That is why he was holding the gloves. That's why he was physically ready to signify that he had retired, but he did not actually retire. And that is a fascinating concept. I mean, Henry Cejudo currently, right now, I don't know, I don't know how far he's going to go, but I have a feeling it's going to be pretty far. I have a feeling it's going to be main events. I have a feeling it's going to be a title run. I have a feeling there's going to be seven figures, multiple of them, multiple moments, multiple interviews, multiple times at the gym. Whatever Henry Cejudo has left from this moment right here, right now, moving forward, he owes to Sean O'Malley's coat. Are you aware of that? Sean O'Malley getting in the ring, taking his coat off. Marab takes the jacket. I mean, this was... This was such incredible theater. I saw Marab wearing that coat. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, I was popping. I mean, then Marab goes and gets on top of the cage. Marab doesn't celebrate like this after he wins fights. He's on top of the cage. The commission is going over and telling him to get down. They're putting their own personnel into him and telling him to get down. He's avoiding the commission. I'm telling you that this is all on video. If you guys missed this, Dana has to get involved. You have a multi-million dollar production that has come to a head. All we got to do is fade to black and roll the credits. We're done here. Well, no. Dad has to go over and get the coat back. Now, while this circus is happening, you have arguably the greatest combat athlete of all time on looking and seeing everything that he personally enjoys. He sees great fighters, right? He sees a big shiny gold belt. He is guys making a fuss, guys getting a reaction, guys agitating one another, guys getting a crowd worked up. Everything that he personally enjoys, he's standing back and he's witnessing between Sean, Marab, and Aljo. And he says, I'm not leaving this. I want to get in the ring with these guys. I'm in the ring with them right now. What in the hell's to stop me from fighting him, which is what I really want to do? He changed his mind. And that's okay. But what do you do with it? 
I want to, I want to one, make sure that you guys acknowledge that. This is not Chael's opinion. I'm telling you for sure, Henry was going to retire. They didn't get the microphone in front of his mouth fast enough. So he changed his mind. But what would you do now? I mean, Sean O'Malley has gone as far as to say that Marab looked pretty good in the jacket and that he might actually send it to him. Very well played by Sean. Okay, simple thing, very well played by Sean. But imagine Henry walking out in the coat. The coat's a big deal. The coat is the star of the night. If I could see that gold belt or I could see the coat, I'm taking the coat. I need the coat. The coat has to exist. Imagine Henry Cejudo comes out wearing the coat. It saved his career. He calls out Marab the next day. This whole thing, this isn't based on your, this guy's teammate or your rank, this where I went back there. It's based on a coat. Marab had the coat. The coat saved Henry's career. Henry wanted the coat. Dana told them both, give it back to Sean. If you watch the pay-per-view on Saturday and you didn't observe the coat, you didn't really see the pay-per-view. If you listen, if you listen to a person, they will tell you who they are. And that's an old expression. I believe the uh, correct way the, the adage goes is listen to someone when they tell you about themselves. They'll show you who they are. Because people make jokes, right? Sometimes people make jokes. I, I, you've seen guys like this. You're getting ready to do some business and they'll laugh. They'll laugh and go, well, I love to sue people when things don't go right. They laugh. But they just told you something. That should be a red flag. You should not then come back and say, well, they wouldn't sue me. They just told you something about themselves. It's relevant. And I offer you that example because that's where I was when I was taught this by Deb Nolan. Okay. Aljo appears to have everything he needs. There was a story that came out that he bought his mother a house. Who doesn't want to buy their mother a house? And who doesn't love the story of a young man who quite literally fought his way out of a situation and bought his mother a house? It's very beautiful. Aljo, while at a press conference, was talking about Sugar Sean and just before Aljo came to the press conference, Dana White was at the press conference, and Dana White got asked where the fight between Aljo and Sugar Sean is likely to take place. And Dana, if you were a betting man, your guest would have said, I'll get back to you. Let's see what happens. I need to speak to my team. Surprisingly, Dana said Boston in August. And as soon as Dana said Boston, I mean, I love that detail. I wasn't expecting it to come. That That's helpful. That's Now we've got a real talking point. But I also got up my calendar, which happens to be on my phone. And I said, wait a minute. That's three months away. There is no main eventers, no champions, no anybody of consequence. There's just nobody, period, who we are turning around in 90 days. So if Dana misspoke, that's highly possible. There's another trip to Boston, aside from the one that's coming up in August. That is also possible. The times where we have, have broken away from policy and turned a guy around really quickly, but 
it was a favor to us. Somebody else pulled out. Somebody else got sick. Needed this guy. Needed to put him in. It wasn't as though, well, Sean is such a big deal in Boston. If we're going there, we must bring Sean with us. It's not like that. By example, or the, or the Bostonians, boy, they just love that Aljamain Sterling. They just love 135 pounders. We've got to do it for them. So there was a large piece of me on a personal note that thought, okay, something's been mixed up here. Those guys aren't going to Boston. But that's Chael making an educated guess. Aljo's up there, and he's referring and commenting on information that he's been given. That seems like the right thing to do. And when Aljo was saying, yeah, that's fine. I wish that I had a little bit more time. It is what it is. UFC's going to sure want him to fight. A lot of Irish people in Boston, they're going to be cheering for him. He's going to be the favorite. That's okay. I've dealt with those kinds of things before. This was this was a bit of a diatribe. Like I felt like that was a real inner monologue that Aljo decided to say aloud to the rest of us. But it was also telling. It was also telling because if you're going to fight somebody, you and your coaches are going to want to know, first and foremost... Is he orthodox? Is he southpaw? Just by example. Is he over six foot? Is he under 5'10? Right? And there's things that you're going to want to know. Did he win his last three matches? Did he lose any of his last three matches? There's things that you're going to want to know. There's things that you're going to, to bring up and comment on. You just got to fight yourself. Maybe you got a little, little nagging injury over here on the elbow, but you think it could be better by then. Those kinds of things come out of your mouth. They didn't come out of Aljo's. Aljo was talking about who the fans were going to cheer. That was interesting. His comment as it pertained to Boston had nothing to do with the fact that that would make the quickest championship turnaround that the UFC is currently doing. He didn't comment on that. Coming to Boston meant he, he could sleep pretty close to home, which is what he got to do for this last fight. He's not going to have to travel all that far. He didn't comment on anything like that. His wrestling, talking about Aljo's himself, sure was on point. Sugar Sean has commented about the fear and worry that he has of the wrestling of Henry Cejudo. He's been extremely complimentary, but to the point that he's changed the way that he's been training. Sterling is the one out there taking Henry down multiple times. You would think that perhaps there would be comments made about this. Instead, Sterling chose to comment that there's got a high Irish population out there in Boston and that they're likely to be cheering for Sugar Sean. That was a surprise. And there's only two seats, right? You've got the good guy and you got the bad guy. And you will have creative people try to come in all over the place and tell you there's more roles than that. You'll see them trying to write books, but they don't get a right to. You'll see them trying to, to write screenplays and make it on the silver screen out there in Hollywood. They don't get a second job. If you don't understand the most fundamental, then you're going to get cheered and the other half is going to get booed. If you don't understand that, it's it, it's a really precarious position. And, I, and I'm only bringing it to you because Aljo is in a perfect spot to go heel. In addition to going heel, they're going to put him in that spot anyway. He's right. His own words. There's a lot of Irish out there that are going to be cheering for Sugar Sean. He's right. But wherever else you go, there's a lot of fight fans. They're going to be cheering for Sean. It's true. 
And if they cheer for one as a byproduct, you didn't have to have done anything to upset them as a byproduct. If this is my reaction to, to the positive guy, I have to have an equal and opposite negative reaction. If I've chose to chew him, I'm, I'm booing you, even if you haven't done anything. That's not the way that works. But there is ways to go in and to manipulate that. There are ways to steer into that. There's a ways to have a whole lot of fun with that. And O'Malley has those skills. He really does. I, I, I hope that he embraces it. I love that he commented on it. I love that he commented specifically about fighting that opponent, Sean O'Malley, specifically in Boston and specifically with the Irish crowd that they were going to be booing him. I love that because see, now he's, now he's aware. And I, I don't want his goal, which I think it is right now. His goal is to lessen those views, to take a little energy off it. I get that they are going to prefer him, but just, you know, slightly. No, 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 no. So that is not how it works. That would be an absolute waste of your time. If you're the heel, if you're the bad guy, and you're going for that, the boos to your ears are going to be cheers, and you need them louder, and you need them in uh, section, and you need a chorus of them, and you want to hear them all over. You want them at media day. You want them at weigh-in day. You want them on a fake weigh-in day. You want When you walk out, it's, it's one of these things. And Sterling has that ability. He has that look. He's, a, he's that charismatic guy. He's got the right eyes. He's got the right energy. He's the champion of the world. It's an interesting spot. And you can control that. You can control that and make it go in a direction. Hulk Hogan did this to The Rock. The Rock was the biggest star in sport. But Hogan represented a different era. And that's different. There's something special about that. So Hogan, building up to WrestleMania, did everything he'd do to put heat on himself. He got a semi-truck and had The Rock ran over. An attempted murder, try, trying to get heat on himself. And when they went out there and they did the spot, they booed The Rock, which is Vince's biggest star with a baby face that was supposed to go over, and they cheered Hogan, who only weeks earlier attempted an attempted murder because they liked him more, because they were familiar with him, because it was the older guy coming back, standing his ground. It was a really interesting phenomenon. It threw the athletes off when the match was going on. The referee is having to get cues from Vince, from gorilla position, telling them, okay, switch. You've got to do this, and you've got to do this switching because of the reaction of the crowd. So if Aljo believes he's got this one figured out, if he thinks he's got this handled, that Boston, which they're not, by the way, they're not fighting Boston. It's, it's, I'm really out of school here telling you you're not fighting Boston. Aljo and Sterling are not fighting Boston. Let's start with that. You think you're fighting Boston, you think there's a lot of Irish guys there, and you think that that's going to sway them in Sean's favor instead of yours. It sounds like you're beginning to get a good handle on this thing. Now, instead of thinking, how can I lighten up that swing? How can I take a little bit of momentum off it? Man, do the opposite. Put some weights on that thing. Put some spikes on that wall. Knock it out of the park. Help him out. Become the heel. Pimlet gave up response. He's responding to Matt Frivola. So just to, just to back up, in case you've been asleep for a couple of days, Matt Frivola has a fight over the weekend during the pay-per-view. He gets post-fight interview. He calls out Patty the Batty. Now, a number of guys have called out Patty the Batty 
a number of times. It's kind of hard to get a reaction from him. But Patty accepted this fight. He said, yeah, I'll fight you. That'll be my path into the top 15. Patty then did a poor me. I mean, most ba badasses don't do the poor me. I was a little bit surprised. But I've been surprised by Patty along the way a number of times. Where he is just not the guy that we were told he is. He's not the guy we thought that he was. He's a very real and even sensitive, nice young man. I mean, I've just got to say that about him. Because Patty comes out and he says, look, you called me out while I'm hurt. You called me out while I'm injured. You called me out after I had a surgery. And I did have to think about that for just a moment. Because I would never want to kick Patty when he was down or rush him. Listen to your doctors. That all sounds like really good stuff. What do you mean that you're hurt? I mean, what do, you, what do you got? How bad is this? Truck Gordon, who's the one that hurt you, so we've been told, or so we would assume, because it was your last opponent. Truck Gordon went hurt. Truck Gordon lost the fight and didn't get hurt. You won the fight and did. Okay, fair enough. Weird things happened to your body. Truck Gordon's fought again. He's gone through training camps, gone through competitions. He's now out of fight and looking for his next fight. In, in all fairness... What kind of medical attention are you getting out there? Are we doing this in the UK? Like, is this a commentary on the UK medicine? Do we need to get you to the States? What about it is hurt? Let's start with that. That's your private business, but you've told us. I just can't remember what you said. You said it was your ankle or it was your knee. Am I close? Am I right? Wait, was it a shoulder? Was it an elbow? What was it? And what in the hell is it that you think it's appropriate for your medical team to be taking this long? And I say this in support of you. I say this with actual concern for you. What is it that got hurt, and what in the hell is taking so long? And it's a real thing. I mean, if Patty's saying that, and he's laid up, and he's cooped up, I mean, I know it didn't stop him from doing some stuff. It didn't stop him from social media. It didn't stop him from going to the podcast that, sadly, nobody's listening to. So where's the injury? It only hurts when you run. It only hurts when you lift. It only hurts when you exercise. What kind of an injury do we have, and what steps are they taking to make it go away? And please don't judge anything in my tone as me. This is serious. If a guy's hurt in his health, this is very serious. But but what is it? Who is treating you? You come over to my house, you might need to lay low for Musada. But in four days, I will have you back. Snippity snap. I mean, th this isn't a big deal. I don't think there was even a surgery that was undergone. Let's say that there was. Do you know how long this has been? The opponent that did it to you has already fought. He already had the hype and the who, and can we get a rematch? And found out it was no, and moved on to somebody else, did a press tour, and did all, all these different, many, many, many months, and you're still hurt. What do you mean you're hurt? You're hurt or you don't feel good? Matt doesn't feel good. Matt didn't feel good when he called you out. We fight when we don't feel good. What, what do you mean? This is ridiculous. This is an unacceptable amount of time. Not for you and your career, for your medical team. If they do not have you back by now, leave the pool. Come to Chael's house. Call it a long weekend. I'm not joking about this. This should, this should have been fixed. This is not okay that it's not. It is not okay that you can go get around, not show any kinds of excruciating pain. You can move your body in front of the world in the form of a podcast, but as soon as it involves anything that could create a sweat or be mistaken for a preparation for this sport, you're too, you're too hurt to do it. Your doctors are not doing you favors. Come see Uncle Chael.
Mohammed's upset. Did you guys see this? I got to read this to you. This is a quote. You go into fights all the time with injuries. I'm sitting here like, what the heck? I was looking at who's the rat in my camp when you rush things right away. I'm trying to go balls to the walls in two weeks. Injuries happen. Stuff happens. But I was like, once it gets to fight night, I'll push through it all because that once that adrenaline starts pumping, you're not really going to feel anything. All right. Let's wrap this up. The point is, he's talking about his ankle. Did you did you guys see this going around? Lol had some kind of an injury, allegedly it was to his ankle, and now he's mad at somebody in his camp that let that out. Called him a rat. I was that rat one time. I was the rat. I didn't know. I didn't know. The guy, you know, I, you like to talk. You like to talk about fighting. You have friends. You talk about fighting. Hey, what's going on here? Who'd you see over here? What's going on in the room? Oh, you know, this fight's in jeopardy. I'm a little worried. As a matter of fact, he went, he twisted his ankle today. We were doing a grappling class and he twisted his ankle. He went down. He was screaming. We all had to stop practicing, get around. We had to bring ice and get his knee pad. I mean, it's just telling the story. It never once crossed my mind that the athlete wouldn't want that out. It truly never even crossed my mind. The coach got a hold of me. I had a dot com back that was called chailsunner.com. And he said, do not put our team's injury reports on the internet. And the whole world was so clear to me once he said it. Chuck Kearney was the coach, called me. He never said anything to me about that dot com to this day. Not one thing except that. He said, do not put our injury reports on the internet. And it was so, oh my goodness. I couldn't believe I had done it. I couldn't believe that I had to be called and told that. Do you have those moments in your life where, where just something happens and the cold water gets splashed in your face? You go, oh my goodness. I, I'm guilty. But, and I only say that because you don't know who Blahal is training with. It's not necessarily somebody that was spiteful. Right? To some guys that are in the gym, if Bahala's gym is anything like the, the gyms I came from, th there's guys that would look up to you. Like the same way that Bahala went to that gym, there must have been somebody, I don't know the history of his gym, but there must have been somebody there that he aspired to be like. No, he is that guy. And there's younger guys coming off the street. They're signing up to the gym. They're working their way to get into these classes, to be around, to possibly hold mitts for or to spar with. But it's an interesting mindset, right? When you have those guys that look at Blah like that, they don't think he's got a secret that they could know that could harm him. They don't think anything can hurt. They think the only thing that can hurt Mohammed is kryptonite. They really think that. I, I know what that's like. When I used to train with Randy Couture, we were never not getting ready for a world title fight. Whether Randy was defending the belt or he was changing weight classes and he was going after a belt, we spent like 10 years training for world title fights. But I never would have thought that I had a piece of information that could harm him. And the reality is if he had something wrong with a certain knee or a certain foot or he was hiding it or he was getting it through a commission, I mean, some of these things would have been very private information, but that's not how my mind would have worked. I would have never thought I was stabbing him in the back. I wouldn't have whispered about it. I would have even sworn the person to secrecy that I was saying it to. 
The website, when I gave the injury report in college, was called chaelsonnen.com. I mean, I wasn't hiding it. I was doing the opposite of hiding it. I was the author of the statement. I'm the one that witnessed it. And I brought it to the world in a website with my own name. I mean, right, it was just one of those things where I Chuck had to tell me, and he said, oh my goodness, I didn't argue. Oh, not one word. Oh, I will. As soon as he said it, I just wilted and crawled in a hole. I never did it again. But I, I only bring that to you because Blahal's upset. And we've seen this a few times. It's not starting with Blahal Muhammad right now. He says he wants to find the rat and exterminate him. And I'm only bringing this in case, in case my story is true. What if the rat is an 18-year-old kid that looks up to him? What if the rat's a, a 23-year-old with a couple amateur fights that, you know, would, would, would love to have his autograph for at some point in his life, did have his autograph before he joined the gym and is now, I'm just sharing with you, like, it's not always what you might think. There are guys who will look at you in certain ways. You want to know who this really pissed off? Rampage Jackson. Rampage was getting ready to fight John Jones and Rampage was planning to elbow John, but had just that day been working on elbows. So John goes on social media and doesn't say anything. He just shows a defense of him blocking elbows. Or I've got that wrong. John didn't show a video of it. He said working on elbow defense. That, that's what it is right there. This Rampage was spun. He was in Colorado. I remember Mike Dolce was with him. He was spun out of his mind, shaking people down, wanting to know who it was. That really bothers some guys. You'll have a different, uh, Mike Tyson would be a fine example. I'm going to uppercut you. I'm going to throw a hook. It's either coming to your head or it's coming to your body. I mean, he wanted everybody to know what he was doing. Jordan Burrow's going to double leg. Yeah. Simone Biles is, is going to stick it on the highest point. John Smith's going to get a hold of your ankle. Kale Sanderson's going to be on a collar and a shoe. I mean, some guys wanted you to know what it was. They couldn't have cared any less. Other guys had bugged them. Want to know one more example? So the Rampage thing happened. The Rampage and Rampage got all, got all worked up about it. So BJ Penn was getting ready to fight George St. Pierre, and BJ thought, oh, this is a good idea. And then he just claimed he had a mole in George's camp, which he didn't. He just realized how effective that would be, and he just claimed that he had one, and sure enough, it worked. And BJ elaborated on the story too. Hey, I've got email. I could show you the email. I've got pages and pages of notes to where then people are going, oh, come on, show us the email. Who's, who's it from? Well, I'm not going to tell you. I could. I could though. I've got like, he really, he really milked it and played with it for a while. And when I've heard all these guys come up over the years from the BJ Penn, who was, as the kids call trolling, to Rampage, to who knows what actually happened there. I think it was a coincidence that Rampage worked on elbows and John was defending elbows. I think it was purely a coincidence and just happened to spin him out. All the way down to Blahal wanting to exterminate the rat in a fight that he was a victor on an ankle that he stood on in front of the world on television. And then you got little old Chael who did this whole thing and had to crawl in a hole. because I you just didn't think of it like that. I'm just bringing it up. I mean, if Blahal Muhammad goes in and he starts shaking people down, that's going to be a pretty scary guy that's coming looking for you. You're not going to want to show up to practice at three if you think that he's actually pissed and if he's talking about he's going to exterminate a rat, it could have been an accident. Guy could have just been making conversation, happened to see something with his idol. He's talking to another fight fan on the telephone, had a little bit of inside information. It's always fun to have that. Accidents happen. I would like to give the rat, I would like to give this guy the benefit of the doubt.
I just called out Islam. Now, that's the fight that I need to see that I had no idea I even wanted to see. How many of you can relate to that? Where did that come from? Colby just called out Islam. In fact, he went further. He said, I'll only need three rounds. I'm sure it'll be scheduled for five. He said, he'll never get up. I will take him down. I'll show him American wrestling. So on and so forth as I suspect you could imagine Colby would say about that matchup. But hold on a second, because that could happen. That could very realistically happen. You know, one thing that I personally give Islam a lot of credit for, and I hope you guys do too, the belt is a byproduct. The money and the fame are byproducts. Islam is a true competitor. Islam just wants to make his coaches proud. The late great coach Nurmagomedov and now the late great coach's son Khabib Nurmagomedov. But Islam just wants to take those skills, take that hard work, showcase it, and bring honor back to the gym. And I bring that to you because getting Islam to fight Colby Covington would be no problem. Whereas anybody else would get hung up on titles and belts and what's this mean? You you just have picked the one guy, the one and the only guy where that isn't going to factor in. Now, I'm not proclaiming for you that now they get a fight. It's not as though Dana's not going to have an opinion on the matter. But there has been a few things going on where it can create a real logjam. I mean... We have a date booked right now for Islam's next title defense. Okay, great. That's not overly unusual. In fact, that would be the norm. Well, not when I finish the sentence. We have a date booked for Islam's next title defense, but we don't know who the opponent's going to be. That is very unusual. The fact that the contenders, in this specific case, Charles and Darush, the fact that the contenders are booked, they have a job. They have a paycheck. They have a purpose. And the champion doesn't is unusual. Now, if you were to take a look at 170 pounds, we don't have a date. We don't have a venue. We don't even have an agreement verbally from Leon that he's going to compete with Colby. I don't want to go make a big thing about that. I do fully understand the same as you do. Leon and Colby will be seeing each other next. But if I was to tell the story accurately, we don't have that agreement yet. If we never get the agreement, we can still move on as planned, at least schedule and date-wise, because we have Mohammed. When that piece of business gets done, should Colby be left standing? And Colby chooses to start going after Islam, who chooses... To want to answer, it's very tough at anything in life to do a favor, but when the same thing comes back and you want the exact same thing as the favor that you've already done, the exact same person tells you no. It's it's very rare. It happens, but I will just share for you, talking as though Islam can't go do a champ champ thing or he must stay here when he already gave a 45-pounder the opportunity. He already gave a 45-pounder because you asked him to. The opportunity to dethrone him, why can't he go up and try the same thing? for himself. I'm not predicting for you this is going to happen. I'm not going down that road because what we would need in able to hedge our bets or start to drive us a little closer to that cliff is we would need a history of Islam to speak up. We would need a history knowing Islam's going to start calling out Colby. Islam's going to agree to do everything that he's already agreed to do, but then he wants 
a crack at Covington. I think it's interesting. I think 170 is a real mess right now. I think they're a mess for all good reasons. I don't have the slightest idea what you do with Rachmanov. I don't know who you possibly even match him up with. I don't know how you can match up Rachmanov, have him go do something meaningful and tell him, oh, by the way, it's not a number one contendership. But it can't be. We don't even have the championship fight booked. And whenever we get it booked, whoever comes out of that already is going into Mohammed. So your fight of what it's a really hard spot. It's really unusual. Kamara Usman has been radio silent. Everything, including retirement, appears to be on the table for Usman. But when I say everything, I literally mean that. While I'm talking retirement could be on the table, so is a title fight. So is a number one contendership. Everything is out there. Usman versus Rachmanov, to me, makes a lot of sense. I just feel as though you'd have to promise them something. you got to put something on it, as the kids say. And it would be a massive turn out of nowhere if Colby, who's one victory away from being king of that division, all of a sudden gets his sight set on a fellow king at a different division. It was something that would have to be considered. It could be laughed off. Believe me, I've, I've seen it when things get dealt with and they get laughed off. But the mandate of the masses has always won out. So either you guys want to see that fight a whole lot or you don't. And up until this morning, you were never even presented with it. Colby versus Islam is a very interesting matchup. That's all that I'm saying. Colby has already struck first and says that he wants to do it. That's all that I'm saying. Islam is not likely to fire back and take the bait. However, Islam would also collect as, would like to collect as much hardware as possible. He's already done what his mentor did, which is win the 55-pound title. Perhaps inside, he'd like to do something that his mentor did not attempt to do. In this case, maybe he wants that 70-pound title. Jake Paul, press conference number one, just ended. What do you guys think? Did you watch it? I was entertained by it. I thought that the crowd was good. I liked the Q&A. I liked the back and forth. I could hear passion. I can hear energy, right? It's not necessarily what questions you're being answered, what topics are going back and forth on. It's the passion within the question that creates the energy that they're then going back and forth on. I thought it was good. I thought it was good. My understanding is there's going to be four of these, this being number one. So we've still got three left. Leading into the boxing match. And I'm wondering from you guys what you thought. Are you looking forward to it? I believe that this is a record. Four. I believe that's a record. I can think of fights where they've done four press conferences, but I couldn't name for you a non-title fight where they did four press conferences. Something that wasn't massive in some degree that had something on it. Somebody's O has to go, some kind of a record. And what I assumed that these two were going to dangle in front of us was the MMA fight. I still believe that that's coming. Though that wasn't revealed today or put as the cherry on the Sunday, and here's the big thing and here's the real stakes and here's why we're doing this. I do believe somewhere within the next three press conferences and prior to the fight, the reveal will be made. 
that if so-and-so wins or if so-and-so gets a knockout, a finish of some kind, that they're then they're then going to go and do MMA. But I don't know that they would have the power to do it. That's one of the problems. I know there was a built-in mechanism when Jake initially called Nick, uh, called Nate Diaz out. And when he initially did that, it was going to be a boxing match and an MMA fight. $20 million and blah, blah, blah. We're going to do it all, but we're going to start with boxing. All of a sudden, we've started with boxing, which has left many of us to believe they then then are going to go into MMA. I'm just sharing for you, that is not the deal. That was never a deal. That was a proposed idea that was thrown at some point, and some of your brains have made the mistake of believing that those are still tied together. I'm just clearing that up for you. Because uh, the other part of that, in case you have forgotten, when Jake Paul came out and said, we're going to do both, but we're going to box first, the MMA part was going to be a pay-per-view in PFL. And anytime Nate Diaz opened his mouth today about MMA, it was UFC. He's coming back, he's returning, he's returning to the UFC. And quite frankly, even if, if Jake Paul was looking for an invite, Nate never gave him one. Nate never said, we're going to go and do this and I will bring you over to the UFC. You beat me here. I've already talked to Dana. We'll rematch it and we'll do it over there. Like there was no talk about that. In fact, I found it to be one of the very interesting points because one thing that Jake Paul does do is throw around the idea that he's got more money or throw around the idea that he has more opportunities or throw around the idea that he can create and or give an opportunity. I like it. It's part of his shtick. But I also like that part of his shtick because it's been true up until today. Up until today when Nate went out of his way to trump him with three little letters, UFC, but never once included him. Never invited him and never said, I'll see you there. It was very subtle. It was easily the smallest part of the press conference. But each time that they talked about actually fighting MMA under the uh, unified rules... Nate never mentioned it's going to be you and I. Nate mentioned, I'm going to come over here. I'm going to showcase this set of skills that I have. I'm going to sharpen them up. Then I am going to go to the UFC. Not we, not I'm going to take you. And it was meant as a dig. But I think you guys missed it. That's why I'm bringing that to your attention. And if you falsely somewhere believe an announcement was made, that Jake and Nate are going to box first and then go do MMA. If you falsely believe that, that's not the deal. That was never the deal. That doesn't mean that's not what this could turn into. But that's not what's been agreed to. And if Nate goes out and showcases his skills, as he says, and takes care of Paul, the conversation of that MMA fight ever following these two will be crushed right there. If the outcome and the verdict tends to lean towards Paul, perhaps the idea of MMA gets reignited. Guys, I'm reading here. Prohaska versus Hill is booked and we've even got a date. What do you think of that, guys? I mean, there's mixed reactions, right? If you went, oh, good. Oh, that's great news. I would completely understand. I think that a part of you would be saying that. Part of you probably never really thought about Prohaska versus Hill. Just in light of Prohaska being hurt and Hill being the new guy, it would seem as though by the time the injured party 
came back around, the current champions probably isn't going to be there anymore, right? The way they play hot potato with that division. Something along these lines. But I don't think that that's the only reaction we're having. I mean, allow me to speak for myself, but you tell me how close this is. First off, why were we ever told that he was hurt? I mean, that matters. And that was a choice, not only of Prohaska and his team, to reveal info to you, but there was larger powers that also revealed that he was hurt. I can remember a specific quote, the worst shoulder injury we have ever seen. I remember that quote. And with what authority did they give that personal information out? I, I only ask... Because the day it came out, it was crap. I did not see the MRIs. I did not see x-rays. I didn't see anything. I didn't even talk to Prohaska. And I sat here and I told you guys, I don't buy it. The motion and the range of motion that he proclaimed he was doing when he damaged the shoulder, which went on to be called the worst injury we've ever seen to a shoulder. I told you, I didn't buy it. And I didn't want that. I wanted to stop right there, and I did. Because, meanwhile, I, just in my, my, my personal chill over here on YouTube Life, was making you beyond the fight pieces, telling you they're not going to do Glover versus Prohaska. I was telling you about the numbers that were coming in. I was telling you about the resistance from you guys. I was telling you about how poorly the building was selling. I was telling you guys about how few clicks and how few headlines... That fight, which was weird, right? It's weird because you love Glover and you love Prohaska. And the last time we saw them together, it made for the single greatest light heavyweight fight in title history. Like, it was a really wonderful thing. That's why it was such a surprise that nobody wanted to see that again. And the reason I didn't dig into Prohaska and his shoulder or share my opinion of a shoulder that's not as bad as people are saying, I didn't want, I didn't want those lines to get uncleared to where somebody would think maybe I was screaming a conspiracy. They're going to go with the shoulder as a way of avoiding this match. Look, we know they weren't looking to save the day with some glorious match when we ended up with Hovchit and, and Ankalaev. So it was nothing along these lines. There was a mistake made. There was a mistake made in assessing that shoulder injury to the point that instead of having grace and giving him a period of time, like every other fighter, I mean, Francis Ngannou simultaneously with him got an entire one whole year. And there was not even a discussion of an interim championship, let alone taking the belt off of his waist. Prohaska gets somebody to come out and say it's the worst we've ever seen to take his belt away. I'm just reminding you of what happened. So now here we are, a fight that we've never asked for, Prohaska versus Hill. There's We, we, we now find out why Hill has been... Radio silent for two months. Hill had news that the champion might be coming back to claim the championship that he never lost. Hill's got to do that. Hill knows he has to do that. Hill, Hill's a great guy. Hill would never even consider, well, come in here and prove yourself first. He just, he just wanted to do that. There was the slightest belief or rumor that Prohaska could return, including to the throne, including if he comes here and he beats me, right? I'm Hill. He comes and beats me. I'll respect that. I'll honor it. I'll move on. So I like those pieces. Uh, you know, I, I kind of do like this theme. I kind of do like where we're going. I haven't seen an injury report put out on the internet. 
from the beginning of time that was helpful. I've seen them. I've seen them get released. I've seen coaches and teams and doctors and people with little letters next to their initials who don't present it in any other or better way than the trainer, the guy, the guy's mom, his soon-to-be ex-girlfriend. None of them do a better job. They all equally suck at it. They're so unconfident in what they are saying that they, if anytime they can and provide a photo. Right? They're so bad in telling you and articulating what their message is that any time that they have an x-ray or a CAT scan or an MRI of any fashion and they can hold that up instead, they will. They will. I've done show and tell too. I was in kindergarten. When I sucked at speaking, I would have a little drawing to go with it. But I didn't fool the teacher. The teacher accepted it. She passed me along. But in her heart, she knew that guy, he doesn't have a mastery of this yet. And he knows that we don't respect and listen to him yet. Of course, I was five, but uh, you understand? If I had a mastery of it, and if you respected me, and if my PhD and my Stanford accreliates and all these other things meant a damn thing, I don't need to then provide you with the picture. I could just come out and give you the message. Now, in this case, we had both parties do both, and they were wrong. But one person, one person sat here and told you while listening to the dum-dum and looking at the etch sketch that's wrong. That shoulder's not that bad, and he's going to be back. That one person was me. And all this time later, you're yet to say thank you. Policies, right? Policies change all the time. And so many times, particularly within their sport, there, there will be a policy and people will misspeak and call it a rule. And it's only because people don't know the rules. They don't know the difference between a rule, and a policy. They don't know what an athletic commission could do, where USADA comes in, if you want to talk about that side of it. They don't know what the ABC is, or even New Jersey that decided to not go by the guidelines of the ABC. I mean, just for example, like there's not very many people alive that understand the different intricacies. So there used to be a good old day in the sport. When you didn't want to do something, you could price yourself out. Now, I will remember, because I never thought it would work. I never thought that you, the audience, would let a guy off the hook. It's one of the few things that I would have predicted wrong. When a guy flat does not want to fight somebody else, and he doesn't say the words, I don't want to do it, I'm scared, I'm not, he doesn't say the words, he says something else that means that, very obviously, very transparently means that. I need more money, this isn't right. He's ranked number six, I should be fighting guys in the top two. Whatever it is, I never thought they'd get away with it. You'd hold their feet to the fire and go, whoa, hey, bull, hey, who cares what he ranked? Hey, what, the guy's not good enough to fight you? Good, you're getting an easy fight. You're not going to get away with that. No, you guys have always let him get away with that. Like, it's just, it's just been something that I've observed over time. It's been very interesting in the sport, particularly the top echelons, Ultimate Fighting Championship, Strike Force at the time, Elite XC, Once Upon a Time, Pride Fighting Championships, for example. You'd have a fight booked, okay? Now, one of those guys doesn't want to be there. But here, here we are. 
He didn't know how to get out of it. He said yes over the phone. He was planning to get out of it by the time the fax machine came and he had to put his signature on it. Something happened. He wasn't able to get... Now he's got it faxed back. Now the announcement... Made, like He had all these different steps where he's planning to get out of it, but just, okay, I'll do it at the next step. And now it's too late. But when you would be to that ultimate... The poster's done. Tickets are on sale. The card is booked. And you pull out. There used to be a good old day where that fight wasn't rebooked. Whoever remained... They would just find an opponent for it. It was a massive opportunity for unsigned guys. You'd have a guy that would never been in the organization before. He could walk right into a co-main event if he just had a bag ready and could get to the airport in time. I mean, this was a thing. And all of a sudden, one day, they decided by policy they're going to pull both guys and just rebook the fight. And it's a really interesting concept. I mean, we're seeing it right now with Charles Oliveira and, and Benny Derusha. And I don't want Charles to see this go, chill. What, what are you doing to me? I've never been anything but nice to you. Charles is very nice to me, and Charles is awesome. Charles could even win that fight. I'm not picking against Charles. Charles doesn't want to do the fight. That's what I'm saying. So you get the fight booked, and under the good old day standards, you call in, you say you don't want to do the fight, you keep Benny on the card, you get him somewhere somewhere else, you're floating around out here, all of a sudden your, your x-rays come in, the doctors cleared you, and... uh off you go for whoever's available that isn't Benny. I'm just giving you an example. But that's the way that it used to be. Now they're just they're pulling the whole fight. So when a guy chickens out, even though you guys are more than prepared to let them off, look, now the organization isn't letting them. And it's a very fascinating thing. I mean, we are playing a game of chicken, and I don't know how far this is going to go, between Chandler and McGregor. I do not know how close to the edge of the cliff these cars are going to get before one of them jumps. But there is nothing about that fight that feels like these two are getting ready to fight. And I, I do mean nothing. But I saw a promo last night. They're putting hands on one another. They're getting ready to go into the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, traditionally speaking, you'll come out the back end of the Ultimate Fighter, which is roughly 11 weeks. And the very next weekend will be the fight. That's gotten stretched over time, and that's gotten changed, and that's gotten manipulated. But we're still inside just that good uh, a week, two weeks. We're real close. We're right there. We've got the finale and the trophy and the 100 grand. The and then the very next week, the guys are up. That mathematically, based on the information we've been giving, simply is not possible. Now, I'm still looking forward to that battle which is McGregor versus USADA. And if push came to shove, McGregor's on the right side of this. But I don't know who want push to come to shove. I don't know who wants to get in front of an arbitrator. I don't know who wants to be partners with somebody and take it to this level. I mean, that, that's where things start to get really interesting really fast. So, okay. Trailer comes out, McGregor pushed him, but McGregor's serious about this. For example, I caught a clip it was TMZ. Somebody, Phil Connery, is coming out of a hotel. He's jumping into an SUV. And they asked him something. Something about boxing somebody. And Connor liked the idea, but he shut it down and said, I got Chandler first. I'm going to deal with Chandler first. It was a very authentic. It was a very organic. It wasn't clever and creative. And it was his real answer. He's planning to fight Michael Chandler. And boy, Connor can get pissed off fast, can he? He was in a lawsuit with Manny Pacquiao that apparently got revised last week. The weekend before that, he's face-to-face -face with Perry that I don't think was anything more than playful. He was basically invited into the ring, but it was still of interest. 
I catch a trailer last night where he's with Chandler. Chandler's about the nicest guy you're, you're going to come across. Connor gets pissed off fast. He not only shoves him, he, he was like by the throat, right? There's different places that you touch. Not all pushes are created the same. You push a guy by his jug. It, it's a very different thing. You would think that they're going to fight. It would seem that they're going to fight. You ask Connor and Chandler what the weight class of their fight is. They don't say the same number. Nobody has a venue. Nobody has an on sale. Nobody has tickets. There's no poster that's coming out. A very powerful organization in USADA who's saying this can't happen till XYZ plus 180 days. You have a very powerful organization known as Team McGregor saying I need two clean tests and I can do those in the same week. I mean, it's one of these things that's very interesting. I'm into it. I'm into the whole thing. But there's nothing about that that feels like they're going to fight. Under the old rules, you just move on. Under the old policy, you just move on. But now, instead of finding a new opponent for Benny and using Charles later, you ask Charles when he's going to be okay, you book him and Benny on the same card at a different date. I mean, it's one of these things. I've blanked to you. I've let you know. I've tipped my hand. I've telegraphed. I've told you I don't want to do this. How clear do I have to be? I I will do anything it takes to let you know I don't want to fight that guy except tell you I don't want to fight that guy. That's the only thing that I can't do. I cannot say to you, I don't want to fight him. I can do everything else in the world and then just assume that you'll catch on. But that's the part that's interesting. Sometimes people don't. Well, in the cool move of the week award, I got to go Mark Zuckerberg. Did you guys see this? So Mark Zuckerberg is the founder of Facebook, and we've only recently learned that he's an MMA enthusiast. I never knew that about him. And we learned that he starts putting out a workout video. It was like a mitt session. He puts out some type of a mitt workout. It goes around. Okay, fine. But then there's a UFC at the Apex. And they cleared out the venue, and there's a rumor ahead of time. They're clearing out the venue. Nobody comes in except Zuckerford. And then they they tied that into Facebook, and it ended up being a rumor that wasn't true. And Dana even said that. No, no, Facebook's not involved here. They're not financial partners. This is going on. I invited Zuck to come watch it with me. But that goes back a long time. They go back a year for that story, two years for that story, and we haven't heard a ton from Zuckerford. But there was rumors going around. Those happen every day. There's no way to stop that. But all the way to Facebook, who has made a significant play in getting involved in football. I think that means soccer, by the way. But they called it football. Is going to make a significant play and try to get involved in MMA. That one, I don't know. That that makes a level of sense to me. Even if those conversations haven't happened because both parties involved are saying, oh, that's purely rumor. And that might be rumor. But that doesn't mean that those conversations aren't going to happen somewhere down the road. And then everything goes completely quiet as it involves Zuckerberg in the sport of MMA until he enters a jiu-jitsu tournament. And I even saw a clip of it. He was caught in a precarious position. He got caught in a guillotine. And that's a really big deal, right? The, the guillotine is, is the death nail of anybody without experience. We've had Olympic gold medalists before. Go out there, but they get hit in a guillotine. 
I mean, it's it's just this really incredible kryptonite unless you've practiced and unless you know to stay calm. You have to know what to do, but you have to emotionally know to stay calm. So it was really interesting that he was caught in this position because he worked his way out of it. I got to give him that. I mean, I don't know if there's any other move if he would have worked out of that it would have told me so much. To work out of the guillotine, to have that defense, to go pressure forward while fighting the hands as opposed to pulling back like everybody wants to do naturally, to know to do that and eventually work is set up to be able to continue the match. You will learn a lot about somebody's preparation, how serious they took this event, if you can see them in that moment. So what do you think? I was asking you guys, what do you, what do you think? Did it surprise you? And think about it from a different perspective. Jiu-jitsu is a form of martial art. We all agree? It's a way to protect yourself when you don't have any other abilities, right? If you're on the ground wrestling with somebody, diplomacy has failed. Can we agree? But this is a guy that has 20 men with him that are well-trained and have firearms at all times. Like, this is somebody that is not in a realistic scenario going to need to defend himself or his family in armed or unarmed combat. But he's training it anyway. He had an interest anyway. Sat ringside with Dana anyway. He entered a tournament over the weekend anyway. Does it mean anything? Mm, it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to mean anything. I know a whole bunch of guys that went and bought NFL teams and never put on the shoulder pads. It, it doesn't have to mean anything. But could we speculate? Could we have some fun? At a very minimum, can we look at a guy who stand up, right? We decided we were going to critique. We were going to give him a hard time. Turns out he also has groundwork. That's a little harder to show off in a video unless you enter a tournament and compete with somebody, which is what he did. Not for nothing. I know we're usually used to being jerks, but don't you think maybe it's time we just tell him the truth, which is, hey, man, that was pretty cool. Good job, Mark. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And guys, guess what? Uncle Chael is putting out some incredible videos over on Instagram. So make sure you're giving me a follow by clicking the link in the show notes. I'm off for the weekend, but I'll be back on Tuesday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.